Want more Weird West Radio? Get more Western discussions, plus some pulpy fun. Get more Weird West Radio every month with the Patreon Mike and Clint Do You Right tier. When you pledge just $4 or more a month, you will receive two to four additional broadcasts every single month. More movie discussions on the weird, strange, and traditional westerns, including episodic breakdowns on the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and the Wild Wild West. Also, for you Spaghetti Western fans, we've got a monthly specialty show dedicated specifically to the iconic film genre of the 60s and 70s. For more Western discussions plus some pulpy fun, go to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. Warning, Weird West Radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended... Do not continue to listen. First century, Mother Nature finally unleashed her fury in a cataclysmic event known as the Cloudfall. It destroyed almost the entire planet. New and rudimentary authorities began to keep people as safe as possible, and bounty hunters roamed the wasteland. All right, hello, welcome everyone to Weird West Radio on Rain Man Digital. I am Michael Flores, your host, and in the studio with me today on the mule, I have the horse, Clint has the mule. Hello, Clint. Howdy ho. All right, so today you and I are going to be talking about a movie, and that movie is titled Scorched Earth. It's a 2018 sci-fi western flick with a running time of an hour and 36 minutes. It came out. In February-ish in 2018, which is typically the time of the year where a lot of the duds are dropped by the studios into the theaters. But don't let that dissuade you to continue to listen to this discussion. This movie uh, was directed by Peter Howitt and written by Kevin Leeson and Bobby Mort. So, yes, Scorched Earth is a 2018 Canadian-American post-apocalyptic science fiction action film western. Oh, my God. It's Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the synopsis, a bounty hunter named Attica Gage tracks down criminals in a post-apocalyptic Earth. Uh, the setup is very simple. In the not-too-distant future, the world is ravaged by brutal climate changes, colloquially known as the Cloudfall. 
The combination of pollution and relentless mining of Earth's resources through industrialism has left the environment nearly unlivable and extremely hostile to human habitation. Humanity is forcefully reverted to a simpler lifestyle, relying on barter for the two most valuable resources. Now, water purifiers, called tabs, and silver, ground up to line the interior breathing mass to keep out painful and fatal airborne disease known as black lung. Talk about a timely film. <laughs> I was getting those coronavirus vibes, weren't you? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, everybody's wearing masks. No shit. <laughs> Listen, if uh, coronavirus takes us back to a time like this where we start wearing guns on our hips, I might be okay with that. Hey, listen, coronavirus turns us all into cowboys? Shit. Sign me up for some COVID-19. <laughs> all right, so I have to be honest, Clint. I was prepared to go scorched earth on this movie. Yeah. I, I was not expecting to find anything remotely positive about this movie. I had thrown it on our list of discussions for 2020 because of its genre, because this is Weird West Radio. So I figured, hey, let's talk about a science fiction Western. It's been some time. But I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, the director, Peter Howitt, had an understanding of the Western genre. It was something he obviously understood. And that's problem number one. That's hurdle number one with so many of these low-budget so-called Westerns. Yeah, It's like, hey, I had cowboys and indian toys when i was a kid i'm gonna make a western well you know how to do that and most of the time no they do not because in this movie at least peter howitt understood the western genre and to me if you understand the western genre i will give you a lot of leeway and points from the get-go uh, we had the appropriate archetypes without excessive cliches for example, the go-tos for every hack director looking to make a Western movie. I'm going to look very brooding and take several shots of tequila or whiskey. <laughs> oh, look, they have spurs. Why do they need spurs? I don't know. There were things that made sense. This is a Western picture slash post-apocalyptic film with elements that made sense to its world. It wasn't just because, hey, this is a Western, so let's have them twirl guns and have, you know, standoffs. Let's put them all in Mexican standoffs. Right. So I found myself intrigued. It, it was a standard story. There was nothing groundbreaking per se, but the plot moved forward and it was entertaining, especially when you have actors like John Hanna and Ryan Robbins to entertain you on screen. John Hanna is an amazing talent. Grossly underutilized in Hollywood. Fantastic. Ryan Robbins, who was the villain in this film. Amazing work. The guy knocks it out of the park in every picture he does, whether it be a TV or film. They were what I would call appropriately cast. And it was smart casting because this is what you would call a Gina Carano vehicle. And what I mean by that, I mean, you and I have discussed this before. A vehicle picture is basically when managers and and or agents shop specifically for pictures that will work for their talent they are representing. They want to mm. make them look great. 
uh, a film television series typically produced for a specific star with the motive to further their career or simply profit from their current popularity. Optimately, it displays the star's particular talents or personal appeal. And sometimes these actors are a bit of a novelty. Or in Gina's case, she's got her own fan base due to her being, you know, a former MMA star. She has a lot of fame because of that. And to be honest, she's not the greatest of thespians. She's not. She's not very good. And that's why when you have a Gina Carano vehicle like this movie is, you make sure you cast people around her. That's why you put John Hanna and Ryan Robbins in as many scenes with her as you can. Did you notice that? That almost every scene she was in, it was either with John Hanna which yep. was the supporting guy or Ryan Robbins or she, she didn't was, have dialogue. Yes. <laughs> it's smart. And that's another reason why I like the director because the director knew what he had. He had a turd on his hands. He's like, well, how can I make this turd look good? Well, let me cast John Hanna and Ryan Robbins problem solved. Now, Clint, what are your initial thoughts? It wasn't terrible. It was watchable, but there were some character decisions in the story Mm -hmm. that I was very frustrated with. There was also some story um, segments that were very terrible. And then I thought, as far as like the costumes, it was, it was, they were really cool, right? It was post apocalyptic. They had masks, they had trench coats, you know, she was riding a horse, there's there's guns, there's dirt, mud, and blood, but her face rarely ever gets dirty. And I've never seen an apocalyptic uh, film that they still had toothpaste, Mm -hmm. because I've never seen whiter teeth on people who are supposed to be... Almost at the end of the earth. Yeah, and I think it depended on who they were trying to make look bad or sure are good but, because they did have that whole black lung situation, which made some of them have the black teeth. But even then, they should have dirtied up our main characters just a little. It, it when I when they talked to them, we knew who the excuse me, we knew who the two main or three main people were, but they should have never had, we shouldn't have been in a toothpaste commercial. (laughs) And I just, it, that for some reason was part of my problem watching visually the whole thing, because she was in the beginning of the film, she's fighting somebody in the mud. It's, it's, they're kicking the hell out of each other. Really cool scene. She gets up hardly any mud on her face. It's stuff like that that I was catching more than I think anything else. Yeah. But I it's still watchable. It's not like complete shit. It's just the few things that I kind of spotted that were a little tough to get by to make this like this is really awesome. Yeah, no, I agree, especially with the Gino Carano elements you mentioned. 
And again, those problems could very well come from the fact that this is a Carano vehicle. She's got to look good, you know, and, and maybe she's not one of those actresses that wants to look grimy in a picture because sure. I do feel like there's moments where she looked great in costume from the feet to her neck. <laughs> I'm like, she looks badass. And then you get to her face and she's pure white. Her face is clean. She just didn't even look right in a hat at times. Like, bring the hat down low. Take the brim and bring it over your eyes. You'll look a little more convincing. There were moments where she just wasn't intimidating. You're supposed to get this idea that she's this badass bounty hunter, right? Right. Yep, yep. And she doesn't look convincingly like a badass. There are moments where I'm just like, I, you're the only person I'm not afraid of in this movie, and I should be afraid of you. I've never thought I'd watch a movie where I thought people should be dirtier. <laughs> and listen, and that's something that I don't always agree with. And I, I don't know if you and I have ever had this conversation. I've had this conversation with um, other hosts on the network when we're talking about a TV show that had a Western episode. And they would rate the Western episode poorly because the town looked too new, like it was just built. And the cowboys and cowgirls and the and the civilians were all clean. I'm like, well, dude, like, listen, I'm like, you understand that just because it's in the old West doesn't mean it was old then. Sure. Like, uh, there's, yep. this idea, there's this idea that a lot of people, when they watch a Western, they want them to have dirt on their bodies and to look grimy. I'm like, they still live in a town. They're not in the desert. They're civilized. Right, right. You know, whereas with this, we're dealing with a post-apocalyptic world. It's the end of days. Everyone should look dirty and and decrepit. So, for the most part, I was okay with many of our people looking hand dirty, and they were. But our lead was not. And she's the one that should have been because she was out in the middle of the wastelands. Right. And yet she had a perfectly clean face. So I, I do agree with you on that. The biggest problems I had with this movie had nothing to do with the writing necessarily or the directing choices. A few things here and there. Creative differences, if you will. But my biggest problem was Gina Carano. Whether it be her acting or the way they had her look. And that's sad because this is a Gino Carano vehicle. This is her movie. And I feel like the movie would have been that much better if somebody else was in that lead role. And, you know, I, I want to kind of throw this out here because I, I, I think you and I have both been on the side of, of having a female lead badass. I think. We Sharon Stone. Yeah, we we enjoy those those flicks as long as it's working, right? And as long right. as there's a a good story, good acting, or or whatnot. And I think it'd be I I could see if they a made her look more badass, but then if I think she needs some, I don't know if she's I. I'm assuming from being from MMA, there's not a lot of acting classes no, <laughs> that no. she probably took. So no. I'm hoping like maybe later on she will take some because I think there's a possibility where she could be like an action star because she has that background of like all these other like, you know, you got the expendables and all this kind of stuff. I could see her kind of playing in that arena. She is an action star. That's what she does. But she the thing I 
I don't think she has it in her to be good because she's been recently cast in the Mandalorian. And my biggest problem with the Mandalorian was her. So is she just, do you think she's just a, the, just dry as far as the acting? There's a problem. Okay. So when she's when her mouth is shut and she doesn't have to perform like any real emoting or anything like that, she's fine. Her look, her visual look is fine in this movie. No, because she should have been more grimy, but overall as an actor, her look is fine. She looks like a beefcake. She looks like she can knock a motherfucker out. I don't have a problem with that. In fact, in this movie, there are various moments where you catch a glimpse of her thighs and her fists and like, damn, she's a big lady. She can knock someone out. I'm okay with that. But she doesn't have acting talent. There's something that actors have. When you say roll camera and action, actors transform. I've, I've seen it from behind the camera myself where they have this one look in their face. Some guy can look like a clown in real life. And the moment you say roll camera, he looks like an evil person because it's called acting. His whole face transforms his body language, everything about it. She doesn't have that. She's Gina Carano. And people may say, oh, well, Keanu Reeves is Keanu Reeves. Like, no, Keanu Reeves is not Keanu Reeves because he has that thing. You say action, yes, he plays one certain type of character, but he knows how to act that type of character, if that makes sense. Gina Carano mm-hmm. looks like she's a regular person doing an Instagram selfie, and she doesn't change her face. <laughs> her face is always the same. And, I, and that's where I do commend the director for this film. I commend that he managed to put her with a lot of really great talent, so that those moments that are rough... You didn't really hold on to them very long because you're immediately looking at John Hanna or Ryan Robbins. And that's what you need to do. That's a sign of a good director. A good director will make his stars look better because there's tricks. There's different things you can do to make the scene work if your lead actor isn't as strong as you would want them to be. So I will say... Without getting too negative here, let's pull this up a bit. I will say I can appreciate the Django homage at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I love that with the horse dragging the the um, pine coffin. box, yep. the coffin behind the horse. Love that aspect quite a bit. That was a strong opening. There's also various visuals that I definitely appreciate as well. The cinematography was not terrible. Uh, But there's a few choices that the director obviously wanted to use the vertigo shot, which I don't care who you are. If you use a vertigo shot, you are going to earn points with me. And the way they did that transition, there was a moment if you I don't know if you remember this, but there's a moment where you had the vertigo shot when she realized that the villain Thomas Jackson was the very dude that killed her sister years before. And you see the vertigo shot and it transitions. Typically, we just get the vertigo shot where everything moves in the background. But they transition to another vertigo shot of her when she was younger. And I'm like, holy shit, that was a solid decision right there. That was really good. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So there are moments that make this movie uh, more palatable. And one of those moments for me is... The writing. Now, I'm not saying the decision making, the story decisions, there are problems, but overall, the writing I feel was solid in terms of formatting. 
Uh, one of the biggest things that surprised me about the film is the actual script. The writing was unexpectedly tidy. Uh, the pacing was on point. There weren't any unnecessary moments that pulled us from the immediate story. They kept it simple and focused on what was in front of us, which was Gage's drive to take down our baddie, Thomas Jackson, for the bounty, which led eventually to a more personal connection when she realized that this was the this was also the gentleman that was responsible for the death of her sister. And this is the type of movie we've been wanting to see or talking about for quite some time. Don't overcomplicate your narrative. This is something that you and I have now been harping on for, it feels like the last, I don't know, year and a half we've been talking about this. Keep it simple Mm -hmm. and people will walk away remembering a good time. And this movie excels at just that. A simple movie, not trying to be anything other than what it is. The characters that would play a part at some point within the story were introduced appropriately. Something uh, like, for example, also with the ideas and elements, everything that would end up being used later in the movie was all introduced at the right times. We didn't have random characters popping up saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to do this. And same thing with the with those certain ideas, those story ideas that we had those narrative nuggets dropped early on that would then be used. And that's why I say this is a tidy script. Now, when it comes to story, there are some definite issues and some moments where that make you scratch your head. Plausible aspects. For example, Uh, One of our villains drops Gina Carano's character down a a ravine, they called it. But that was a fucking cliff. (laughs) That wasn't a ravine. That was a cliff. It was 100 feet, maybe higher. It does does open up halfway. If you look at it, I believe the the uh, top actually blows out halfway and then they go back and it's still put together. Yeah, so he drops yeah. <laughs> drops her in a coffin. She's in a coffin, drops her down this ravine slash cliff slash, you know, hair in earth and the Mountain. earth were Yeah, whatever the fuck they want to call it. <laughs> and the box bangs every major rock as it goes down this cliff, as it tumbles down a cliff. Not not a roll, falling at an alarming rate. The box shatters at the bottom. She falls out and I mean, she survives. That, and she survives, Clint. She right. survives. We've got to commend the undertaker, the builder of that pine box. It's let's, a sturdy let's, box. Let's forget about everything else. The guy who built that, Jesus himself couldn't have built that better. <laughs> Jesus couldn't get out of it. I mean, he could lift a rock, you know, to, to when he was resurrected, but... Good right. luck trying to get out of that coffin, bro. <laughs> Three nails, and it was solid. I mean, that coffin was designed for the journey to hell and back. I I don't know. (laughs) Jesus, dude. But that was the moment. And that was at the tail end of the second act, leading us into the third act. And that, for me, is where the biggest problems happened. It was a really good setup. First act was was fine inside the incident, uh, discernible into the first act. Second act was great. And then that third act... It started with that scene and I was like, what the fuck? Like, listen, I know this is a sci-fi Western here, but we're still grounded in reality. This isn't like a superhero epic 
Right. You know, th- this isn't even the classic romanticized spaghetti western that you can say, hey, it's little, there's a little bit of myth there, you know, a little bit of, you know, surrealism. No, this is a pretty grounded western. The only thing is, it's, you know, flash forward, you know, 100 years of the future and the world has fallen apart. It's still a world that you and I could live in. And you have this bitch thrown down a cliff and she survives. It's like, <laughs> what the hell's happening? So there are problems like that, but that's the, would you say that's the, the, the biggest blinding? Well, I, in terms I, of story decision, mine kind of started just before that, when she did get captured. Uh, I, th- I mean, it's, I agree with you a hundred percent, Mike. I, I did not like that whole, you're going off the mountain and you're going to survive it. That to me didn't make sense, but it's how we got there. And the way she got there, she, for some reason, cares about the singer. Um, her was, was there a little was there a little lesbian vibe going there? Okay, between them? I was getting to it. Hold on. Oh, okay, okay. Trust me, we we're on the same page. <laughs> but my, I think it comes down to her acting or less of the lack of, because first, I she didn't care about her, right? So then. She's about to spoiler alert. She's she's about to take in um, Thomas Jackson, the the head mm-hmm. villain. Yeah, and she tells uh, Melina that she needs to run. I'm a bounty hunter. She gives up her whole charade to her, and then she goes and checks out what's his name's room and yada 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 it's bad decisions as far as a it wasn't a realistic thought process for the story in my opinion right it was very dumb and the the reason it's dumb is because she could have kept the charade she could have got jackson out of there and nothing would have been the wiser you know what I mean? And she would have survived and I understand we got to have the story arc but it's not a good part of the story if she was good, she would have just went in there. She already tied him up while he was sleeping, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. So we already had that. We were already done. We She could have rolled him out onto the horse, threw him onto the horse, and took off. But instead, we had this whole thing with her telling, and people were, you know, the, the, the timing and the, the realism of it just took me out right then. And I think that was within 30 minutes of the ending. Then yep. on top of that, the, the cherry or rotten cherry on the top was that scene of the coffin. And then we had this long, weird uh, healing scene where all of a sudden for somehow it's her scars are healed within. It, it didn't even seem that long. Yeah. Time. They were trying to, say that a lot of time passed but wouldn't you have some marks left some dull marks on your face because her she, face was clear as day she had one scar it, and it looked it was like a commercial for clear cell i mean it was just amazing skin but there was nothing to tell us yeah. how much time went by which was very confusing so i mine started at that point yeah but yeah i agree with you 100 percent. is how the hell can you survive a fall like that and then you're, I don't know what he was pulling out blood through her lungs or something. 
Yeah, it's very strange because it makes me wonder if maybe the director is the one who made those decisions later. Because, again, the writing, you look at the example of how the screen writing was formatted and everything flows, everything works. And then something happened at that at the beginning of the third act, the tail end of the second act, where the director wasn't it seemed like he wasn't quite sure how to get us to the end of the movie. So he created this scenario that just didn't feel right. And maybe it's the acting. Maybe it's not the story. Maybe it's the acting. Maybe if we had a different actor in there, these things would would have been conveyed a little more uh, with a little more detail because, you know, we get this idea that she doesn't care about anyone but one person, her her friend played by John Hanna, the doc. And everyone else is kind of like collateral damage. But then suddenly she develops. I mean, she even throws a woman at the beginning of the movie uh, at another villain coming at her as a as a human body shield. Yeah. And then for some reason, she cares about her. Towards the end of the movie, and I could buy that. Listen, I understand scenarios. We do. We see it all the time in the movies. You you have an arc. It's, It's a character arc. You have a moment where, hey, I don't care about anyone. I don't care about the world. I care about my bounty, my money. Number one, numero uno, just me. But then things happen. Our character's thrown through different scenarios. That's the character's arc. And then by the end, she has a change of heart. And I think if we had any other actor, we might have seen that a bit more. And maybe knowing that Gina Carano wasn't that good at this job, maybe they could have given her some lines to say where we understand that there's a bit of an introspective for her, that she has seen the light And she decides to make some changes because there are those moments that we get those silent moments where she's kind of staring in her bedroom. You're like, okay, what are we supposed to be? Are you actually thinking Gina? Cause you look like, you look like an idiot. You're just, it's like a blank stare. There's nothing. Is there someone in there, Gina? Like I'm wondering if that's what they're trying to do. They were trying to convey that she is seeing things differently because of who this man is and how it's connected to her past. So I can see the writing there, but the dots aren't connecting because of Gina. Sure. I'm almost positive. And if perhaps we had someone a little more capable, those ideas would have come through. And then the story aspects, except of course the, the coffin. Yeah. I I feel like some of these story decisions might've made a lot more sense because you're right with the saloon girl. That was the villain's, girlfriend i'm like why does she care about her of all people was there of the red scarf I, I yeah mean, come on there should have been something more somehow right and if it was the abuse aspect then and maybe they were trying to connect it because there are those flashback moments of gina and and her family being you know manhandled by a group of ruffians so and we saw that shortly before so again I'm thinking it's just we're losing some of it. It's lost in translation because of our lead. Our lead actress isn't that great. Sure. I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. I mean, there's only so much you can do with two actors trying to carry the weight of all the the meat, if you will. <laughs> because, man, I, I'm telling you, um, Ryan Robbins, he carried every scene. He was in what, 80% of Gina Carano's scenes, probably. I think so. And did he not take every scene? Well, he was a good baddie. He, dude, he owned every scene. Like, 
and the camera just focused on him. And then they go to her for a half a second to remind us who he's talking to. And then they focus back on him. But then again, I kind of was the visual again. Uh, he was pretty clean cut. I mean, he white teeth, perfectly sculpted beard where I don't know where you get the Dapper Dan from, but it's out there somewhere. I th- I really wish they would have roughed these people up. At least our, you know, even Doc was a little dirtier and he's yeah. a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, I don't know. I just, some of it kind of visual, visually took me out of it. But the villain did have guy liner though. I mean, that was super <laughs> sexy. I mean, that was sexy. Uh, yeah. It was so hot. All right. So dub. So let's talk a little bit about these actors briefly here. Ryan Robbins. Other things he has done. Ryan Robbins. Uh, this guy has been working since, I don't know, since the 90s. He's literally been in everything. He's one of those actors yet again that we've been talking about a lot on our shows recently. Uh, he's a working actor. Uh, I don't think a month goes by where he's not a month goes by where he's not in something, uh, something that he has been in that we might know is he played a character called Hawkins in the first season of hell on wheels. I do remember him. It was also in that very popular sci-fi series played. Um, uh, he played Henry Foss in sanctuary in 59 episodes, Apollo 18 mortal Kombat legacy TV series. That's not much to write home about. <laughs> uh, Battlestar Galactica TV series. He played uh, Charlie Connor. He's been in a lot of things and he usually does a pretty damn good job. He was in the TV show Ascension, which was a mini series on sci-fi channel. Uh, that was really good. Continuum, Real Detective, Rogue, Van Helsing, Ghost Wars, Sacred Lies, uh, Pure Riverdale is the most recent TV show he's on. So this guy's pretty good. He has his shit together on the acting side of things. It's a shame that this movie didn't do more for him. Honestly, I think he could have really uh, turned some heads if this movie attracted more people. Now, the biggest. I, I want to say the most underrated actor, in my opinion, is a gentleman named John Hanna. This is a guy that rose to fame as the third co-star and a franchise called The Mummy back in the 90s. Yeah. He was the goofy brother. And you're like, oh, he's a goof. But then, I want to say about 10 years ago, he was the lead villain in a little TV show that launched stars as a, as a, a network for original programming. And it was called Spartacus. He was amazing. And if you've never watched Spartacus, do yourself a favor. The dude was fantastic. And when I realized who it was, I was like, this is the dude from the mummy. He (laughs) can't be the villain. This is silly. Within five minutes, he wins you over. The guy is fantastic. And since 2010, when he played the villain in Spartacus, I have tried to watch everything he's in. The guy's range is amazing. Fantastic. And I'm a little upset that he's even in a movie like this like it must have been he must have owed somebody something he must have owed someone something a favor maybe he was trying to get up inside a carano because she is an attractive lady so maybe uh maybe that's the case but this guy's really good it's a shame that he's not appreciated more because he's definitely talented 
Um, have you seen anything with John Hanna? Have you watched Spartacus before? No, but I, when I saw this and was, you know, obviously he's the doctor. I was like, Hey, that's the mummy guy. And I, I was, I actually liked him in this. I mean, he, he kind of, uh, for the little bit that he was in, he was actually really good. I mean, he, you know, I didn't really care about really anybody else. And it was, he did a really good job in it. I thought it was, uh, I mean, it's not probably his. Top. It's a paycheck. It's a paycheck. Yeah, there you go. I yeah. was going to, I was trying to find something else, but yeah, it's a paycheck. And I think he, he probably wanted to do something a little different and he definitely did. And I, you know, it's just too bad that it kind of fell a little short. Yeah. And honestly, I think this movie would have been that much worse if it wasn't for him, because it, every scene that he was at when in with uh, Gina Carano was that much better. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine being an actor like that. Imagine being an actor, knowing you're good. You're like, Wait a second. I might as well act opposite of a rock. Like, what are you guys doing to me here? Come on. Come on. Where's my agent? Well, who the fuck cast me in that shithole? Yeah. So, the dialogue was just dry from her. You know, and I, I know we keep kind of harping on her, but... Eh, well, she sucked. It's all right. I just, I think it was very just... Um, We'll go back to our first few episodes, how I sounded. Not as much, as, not as... I'm not as refined as I am today, <laughs> but I, you know, it was just very, yes, it was good. And that's how she sounded. She was very flat as far mm. as there was no emotion and it didn't bring it into the show, unfortunately, or the film. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate. The things that she did do really well and goes right into their next topic here. And that's the, uh, the fight sequences. I actually enjoyed the stunt work for the most part, including mm -hmm. the fight scenes. My biggest problem in uh, films and TV shows in this modern era of feminism, which, hey, this is a great thing. It's not a negative thing. But we have this idea now where women have to be as strong as men physically. I'm not talking about emotionally or psychological. I'm talking about physically. And guess what? They're not physically as strong as a man. There are some men who are much weaker than some women physically, but for the most part, you know, even with your greatest fighter, if a dude with a fist, the size of a boulder connects with a woman's face, it's lights out, right? It's the end of the fight scene. And I liked how they chose to have her fight. She threw her body into people, which I felt was not only more realistic, but also worked with her roots. And where she came from, MMA. Yep, yep. And that's ultimately why her fans would go see a movie like this. And that's ultimately why this is a Gina Carano vehicle, because they're trying to reach her fan base. And her fan base, they go to see movies where she is doing just that. So the fight choreography, for the most part, was good. Uh, she's convincing when she's fighting, she is. Because that's what she does. That's her comfort zone. And she's a big lady. So to have her square off with another big dude and she has to still use her body, it comes off a little more uh, authentic. 
because some of the biggest problems we have today are these action pieces where the lead actress is positioned to fight a dude five times her size and she punches him in the face. But the reality of it, the reality of it is if she were to punch that guy in the face with her dainty little wrists and hands, her wrist would probably break. Sure. That's just, that's physics. That's just, that's just how it is. That's science. And, um, it's become a blight in a lot of TV films and movies where you see these things because you can't diminish a woman. Uh, however, there was a film recently that came out starring Charlie Theron where she actually brought this up and she said it's an issue and she doesn't like it. And if uh, an actor is going to put me in an action or if a director is going to put me in an action film, then I need to fight like a woman. And she's and I'm not saying fight like a woman because there isn't a difference between how men and women fight. She's like, I'm talking the physicality of it. I'm like, as a woman who is trying to fight a guy 20 times my size, I'm going to use everything and anything I can. Cause that's smart. Cause that's smart. That's exactly what she said. She'll, because that's smart. I'm going to use everything. I'm going to use this frying pan. I'm going to use this rock here. I'm going to use this chair and I'm going to use my body as well. She's all, but I'm not going to take my fist and punch him in his chest or his face because my hand would break. Right. So to see moments like that, uh, for the most part, the action sequences in this movie was grounded and it didn't pull me out. No, they were exciting, too. Yeah, and I the mean, fight scenes, the shootouts, the shootouts were great. Yeah, you actually, when they were kicking the shit out of her, you actually felt like she was really getting the shit kicked out of her. Because they were really laying into the kick. They're probably <laughs> mad at how bad of an actor she was. So, like, the other actor was like, hey, can we actually, can we actually do this? I'm like, all right. Well, stupid, you suck. You're making all wow. the rest of us look bad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> No, but the 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 shootouts were good. The the gunplay was obviously visual effects. I will say that, but at least it was convincing, and they had a pretty damn good visual effects house. It's an indie house, but the indie studio still did a pretty good job with that. Storm was awesome, dude. I kept right? watching. I actually rewound it. It was like, really wow. good. It was just you know, it's going one way. You know, like it's moving to the left, I think it was. It's moving to the left, but it's also spiraling in a kind of a, I don't know how you'd put that, but it was spiraling like a tornado. Yeah. And then it then it was kind of going. I, it looked like a vortex is what it looked like. There you go. Yeah. And it, and it was very cool because it it just had that look of like it's nasty. Yeah. I was impressed with the visual effects overall. I feel like, uh, I believe the studio pixel eye pictures. I believe that's the name of the visual effects house that handled this movie. I think it was more than adequate, especially when you're dealing with a, a world, a post-apocalyptic society where the cloud, the clouds have fallen as they say, and you have acid rain and doom and destruction constantly over the horizon. If that's your backdrop, you better make sure your assets, your visual effects assets look great. And they did. They sold the look of the world. And that also goes to the production design department as well. Uh, James, uh, I'll say James Robbins was the production mm -hmm. designer on this. And yes, we, we have some of our issues with the overall wardrobe and the makeup of some of our actors, but the production design 
I thought did also a really good job working with the visual effects department to give the overall look of this lawless society that we have fallen back into this outlaw society. I thought like it it looked convincing. The town looked great. The ground was uh, appropriately muddy. Uh, The cars were not just old, but they were acid and rusted covered, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, Even the horses having covers and protection from the acid rain and the horses being attached to oxygen tanks, I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. So the look, the aesthetics of this movie are also pretty spot on. All right, so let's move over to what the the world is saying, the internet world. According to reviewer Michael Reckenschafen of the Los Angeles Times, he says that a decent premise and a game, Gina Carano, get left in the dust, kicked up by a dull, draggy, post-apocalyptic Western, and that all the potential fun has been sucked out of the movie in his, in his negative review of the film. That's what he says. I don't understand his verbiage, but that's what he said. Well, with uh, rectum shaven, with a name oh, like that, you got to be careful. That's true. Uh, reviewer Joe Leiden of Variety.com noted numerous echoes of Mad Max and a fistful of dollars and ultimately described it as a video on demand ready B movie. <laughs> well, definitely. I, I don't think the director intended for this not to be a B movie. I think that was his intent. And that's why I don't feel like this movie is terrible. Now, if this was a guy like the director of Hell on the Border who was trying his damnedest to make the best Western, I mean, you could feel it. You can feel yeah. all of his talent is being put into this movie that you can just see. There's a whole struggle. <laughs> and the movie sucked because he was trying to make something that he couldn't make. This director knew what he was doing. This was going to be a B film. So that's not really a fair review. But to overall... On my my thoughts on this is it's a uh, again a good premise, good start, first act, second act, uh, good supporting cast, good visual effects, um, good overall scripting, minor story issues. Uh, the movie ultimately and painfully suffers from a poor lead acting job, and I give this an RMD score of sixty two percent. Wow. What about you? We never walked into the saloon. I just, I'm just not in a drinking mood today, but let's, let's go into the saloon now so that you can relax a bit. I'm going to rub your shoulders down just a little bit. Oh, yeah, thank I'll you. Help you out. Thank yeah. you. And then I'll hand you off to the, the red saloon gal. She can take care of you. As long as she doesn't sing. And uh, Gina Carano's character is in here as well, and she definitely wants to have a good time. You just can't tell because she can't act, but she does. Go ahead. What's your what's your thoughts? Well, I think this is one of those you could save for a rainy day. I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest you can watch it anytime. I think if you're stuck inside and you turn on old Amazon Prime and you're like, hey, let's check it out. I think it's one of those where you can just watch it, kind of zone out. Don't expect the good, the bad, the ugly to the next good, the bad, the ugly to appear because it will not be that. Yeah. Um, like I said, there's, and I said it earlier, there's my my struggle points, but, uh, you know, overall, it's just kind of a uh, film. And right. uh, I went 55%. Yeah. 
Because I think it, the problem is, is you you can see that it has the makings of something kind of cool, right? You know, and it and it it's it's right there. And I'm I'm wondering. I mean, she didn't even really talk that much, so I don't know if it's even you could do the whole uh, silent lead thing because she doesn't even talk that much. Yeah, but, and see that that wouldn't even work though. If they were trying to go for the man with no name vibe, which would work, you still need to have a good actor. The, yeah. She she can't emote. So even if you gave her no lines, she would still struggle because she's just not good. Sure. It's very sad, and I, and I feel bad because I actually like Gina Carano. There is something about her that I understand why she's a star. I, I get it. She is um, appealing to look at in a lot of her movies, and I'm not talking uh, from a sexual standpoint or an attractive standpoint. There is a, a chemistry there that she has with the screen. Not in this movie, but in other movies, there's something charming about her, even in The Mandalorian. In the later episode, she looks episodes. like she could be a badass. Uh, yeah, but they've, I, 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 again, I hate to, we're almost done here, but I hate to keep bringing it up, but they've got to, the costume department has to, they got to help her out, help her out, and, yeah. and maybe the director or someone who can try to guide her as far as acting, because I think she could pull off just being a badass. But she's got to emote that, and she's got to look that. Yeah. Either one or the, it, it's got to be both, you know? I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes say some interesting things, and I, I, I'm not sure if if I agree completely. Uh, one critic says, watching Carano is fun for a little bit. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, but seeing her talents... It's, I'm going to put talents in air quotes here. Okay. Seeing her talents thoroughly wasted becomes more depressing than anything else. I, her talents thoroughly wasted. I feel like they used whatever talent she had and it wasn't enough for this movie. Well, the, like we said before, her, her uh, action scenes were just awesome. Yeah. They were really good. Probably what but, they should have been. You should have just done away with any actual acting for her and made her just this monster a rampages you know where she that's not a word rampages but i'm gonna use it but i like this it. movie make her be a rampages and she just goes around shooting have her be an epic action star in this that sure. would save the picture and and it could have worked i think that could have worked in this yeah uh scorched earth is the sort of divertingly hokey post-apocalyptic b movie that would have amused undiscriminating blockbuster video renters a generation ago and now might pass muster as the pilot for a weekly sci-fi series. That's actually a fair review. Yeah. And he's giving it a positive marks. I actually like that. Another reviewer writes a decent premise and a game. Gina Carano get left. Okay. This is the same review I read that can't write English. <laughs> Uh, Gina Carano roams a mild yet tedious post-apocalyptic wasteland as a bounty hunter. And either you are here for this lady badass of our feminazi dreams or you are not. Feminazi? Uh, yeah, I don't. Wow. Uh, yeah. Don't ask. <laughs> Bolstered by a strong lead performance from Carano. What the fuck? Are you no, no, fuck keep her? reading. Keep like, reading. Want, There's got to be more. Bolstered There's got to be more. Bolstered by a strong lead performance from Carano. Great action set pieces and impressive world building. 
This is one action thrill- thriller that delivers on both of those fronts. Tell me it's a female writer. Nope, it's a dude, and he just wants to fuck her. That's the only re- <laughs> that's the only justification. Yep. A strong lead performance by Carano. Hey, it was going to go either way, right? It was either going to be the guy who wants to nail her, the, the female who just wants to have a female lead. Right. I mean, I agree with the, uh, the second half. Great action set pieces and yep. impressive world building. Yep, yep. It's that first part that I loved. <laughs> Uh, post-apocalyptic western post-apocalyptic westerns don't come much more lethargic and unoriginal than this B movie. Oh. Okay. Well, look at you. <laughs> Hell, for Gina Carano would be a film future of no budget, degrade sci-fi like this. I don't understand <laughs> that, but okay. I agree someone's, with it because it seems someone's negative. Someone's trying to sound smart. Yeah, it seems negative and I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hewitt loses the battle with his limited budget and inexperience with B-movie ruin. I fucking disagree with that. No, I feel like I, he I did I great know. with a low budget and was not any lack of experience issues. No, I think this was pretty cool, except for our our checklist here. Because honestly, the problem with this... Okay, so if it's, if it's a budget problem, then you're going to blame the visual effects, right? Or perhaps a production design. Pokey set pieces. Those are low budget problems. And then actors that you can't afford. You can't afford good actors. That's not the case with this movie. So that review is awful. A limited budget has nothing to do with this. It has everything to do with. I hate to. I'm just going to keep driving home this point. It has to do with the lead. I would love to see this remade just to prove my point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? This concludes our discussion on Scorched Earth. I am sorry, Gina Carano, if you're listening. My opinions do not matter. So please don't let this let you down. Take it as positive criticism. There's other things you can work on. Yeah, learn from it, Gina. You're a badass as far as action, as far as the stunts, as far as the ass kicking. Just work on the other stuff. And if it makes you feel better, you can definitely beat me up. We all know this. I'm a pussy. So (laughs) you're strong. And you could probably punch me in the face and your wrists would not break. (laughs) All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Clint. Well, thank you, Michael. And good night. Want more Weird West Radio? Get more Western discussions, plus some pulpy fun. Get more Weird West Radio every month with the Patreon Mike and Clint Do You Right tier. When you pledge just $4 or more a month, you will receive two to four additional broadcasts every single month. More movie discussions on the weird, strange, and traditional Westerns, including episodic breakdowns on the adventures of Briscoe County Jr., and the Wild Wild West. Also, for you Spaghetti Western fans, we've got a monthly specialty show dedicated specifically to the iconic film genre of the 60s and 70s. For more Western discussions plus some pulpy fun, go to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. Or said he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. Now, do you have anything to say, young man? Yes, Your Honor, I do.
<clears throat> you can go to hell, hell, hell. <laughs> <laughs>